right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guests, Venus and William. Uh, from UFOs and Dispassionate and, uh, Examination, William has been a guest on the show uh, many times. Venus, this is your first time out. It's, but uh, as we're going to discuss here, you guys have been going live two times a week. So uh, I assume this is not nerve-wracking for you any longer, Venus. <laughs> well, it's getting better every time I do it. So. <laughs> Yeah. I'm getting used to it. That's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So UFOs, a dispassionate examination is your twice weekly broadcast that appears on uh, your Facebook page, William, and um, it invites comments and questions. But, uh, you know, what do you really talk about twice a week? You know, let's let's get the rundown of like what your what your focus is. Uh, we, we, we approach a different issue whether it's the lack of diversity in the UFO community, uh, this idea that politics has anything to do with UFOs, or a particular case, or the abduction enigma, and we take a, a reasonable look at it, uh, a logical look, um, and uh, we really apply the, uh, the, the fact that Venus is an experience or I'm not. So we bring our, both our points of view to meet the middle and go from there. So, um, and the listeners... Their comments and questions, they really, uh, we're lucky that our listeners have kind of really embraced the idea of looking at this stuff with a, with a, uh, a logical mind instead of just embracing everything. So we kind of go along those mm -hmm. lines. And about halfway through the broadcast, it, it kind of meanders to other topics, and we just kind of go with it. So, so <laughs> Sure. You know, believe me, we identify. In <laughs> true um, podcast style. You know, has has collaborating with Venus on this sort of changed your view at all? Because I know you've in the past not had an experience, been very much a paperwork uh, nuts and bolts kind yeah. of guy has, has collaborating with Venus on this really changed your view at all of how you um, come at the topic. Um, in a word, no. <laughs> having said that, um, I, I appreciate her point of view. And it's opened my mind even more to issues I knew were prevalent in the community. There's, a, mm -hmm. there's an extreme shortage of women involved in the UFO field. There's no diversity. It's uh -huh. basically yeah. researchers are older white men over 50. And Venus being a woman, being a minority, being an experiencer, uh, has that point of view that I really appreciate. So from that point of view, it's really opened my mind to um, what things need to, the changes that need to be made in the community that might move it forward in a, in a positive way. As far as the research itself, I'm still the same old skeptical guy. So I see. I see. And, and what about you, Venus has, you know, how has this sort of helped you understand um, your experiences and your attitude? Well, you know, let's, let's clarify here first that, that uh, this new show that you guys are doing is not your first uh, you know, foray into the uh, UFO community. You had uh, another group as well on Facebook that was an active group about UFO experiencers. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, um, I started a group called Alien Experiencers, and it's a support group for people who have either been UFO witnesses or have had encounters, uh, that kind of thing. And that's actually how I started talking to William was, I contacted him to see if he can help me kind of get my group out there and promote my group. Um, prior to that, I had other things that I had done. I had done a, a podcast before that a friend had me on um, that I was talking about my experiences. 
Um, I was attending other group meetings, um, the UFO, one-way UFO festival, going to that kind of stuff and helping out. Um, so it's not the first time that I've been inside of the community doing things. You know, my, my assumption is that there would be one of two motivations, possibly both, I guess, for you to have started this group. And, and one would be that you felt that you came out okay and that you would like to help other people. And the other would be that, that you came out very confused and needed some help from other people. You know, what was your motivation behind starting the group? Um, well, actually, it came out of frustration. Um, right. I needed some kind of support for my experiences because my experiences, there's no proof. So when there's no proof, there's no answers. And so really all that's left is getting support from other people. So I was looking on Facebook for support and all I would find are, I would find a lot of support groups, but it was pretty much a joke to me. People were trolling on other people, making fun of their stories, judging them, and the admins were doing nothing about it. So out of my own frustration, I decided that I would do something about it, and I started my own group so I can support people, so I can stop that, that kind of trolling on others, and I can offer real support to them, and in turn, that, that gives me support that I need as well. So that's where it came from. Yeah, I, I noticed that when I joined the group, I can always tell when I join a group if, if they make me jump through hoops and then wait until I'm uh, allowed in that it's some sort of group that actually moderates what's <laughs> yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah very common to... It's not easy, yeah. but it's not meant to be easy. And yeah. I don't have thousands of people in the group, and that's on purpose because mm -hmm. I really vet the people coming in. And I've turned a lot of people down, but it's important to me that the people inside of the group feel safe. So that's the priority. Right, right. Um, are are we allowed to ask you what your experience was, Venus? Uh, yeah. Um, and by the way, I also made a YouTube video about my experiences. So that is on our YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Well, that it cool. runs about 45 minutes or so. Well, then this radio interview is over. I'll just go watch that. <laughs> 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 no, but really, uh, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, you know, what, yeah. what is it that happened to you that caused this interest? Um, you know, I had encounters when I was a child that I didn't think, I, I didn't realize were encounters until later on, until I started talking to other people and kind of put it together. Um, when I was a teenager, I saw a ship pretty up close. Um, and after that, I had three different periods of missing time for five hours at a time. Um, hmm. That happened the week after I witnessed that ship. And I have no idea what happened or where I was. Interesting. Um, after that, I could see um, unidentified objects flying around in the sky on a pretty normal basis. It was kind of regular for me. Um, but the only up-close object that I saw was when I was a teenager. Last year, in 2019, I actually had a physical encounter, um, which had been a long time since my last encounter. And um, so I've had several experiences over my lifetime, but there's long gaps in between them. Yeah. Um, to go into detail, I don't know. That, that would be a whole show. I mean, I can go into detail about. Oh no, we'll do that on a we'll do that on another show. I I definitely have questions already as it is. Mm -hmm. You know, do you do you feel that you saw, um, 
more things in the sky at that point because you were aware or scared, or do you believe that your experience that happened to you made you able to see those things in the sky? Does that make sense? Did I ask yeah. that right? Yeah, I question myself on which one it is. Did I become more aware of what's going on and I just started looking around more? Mm -hmm. To me, it seemed like I would just look and they would be there. You know, I know some people say, well, they say the same thing, that after they've had an encounter, all of a sudden they could see um, Interesting. an unidentified object. Yeah. Heard? I've, uh, a lot of, like, stories I've heard from experiencers and stuff, it seems like uh, it's like weirdly common to have multiple experiences throughout your lifetime. Um, I wonder uh, why, why do you think that is? Do you think they choose people or, or do we just have no idea? <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, from my perspective, I, I have no idea, but I'm still kind of looking into the fact, do they choose people? Um, right. I'm very open to that. Um, you know, I've done a poll in my experiencer site, you know, asking about blood type and that kind of thing, because I'm trying to get a feel for if they're, if, if we have things in common, which mm -hmm. is why I think everybody's stories are so important, even though they don't have evidence, because if we can find a commonality, we might be able to pinpoint whether or not people have been chosen. Interesting. Or if it's random. And has anything shown up in the data like that yet that you can see or is, or have you found it to be sort of, Random. Uh, you put that poll up last week. Wow. Well, okay. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's been fairly recently, but there's been some yeah, interesting it's a new poll. Yeah. Um, from my point of view, the, the, the data supports the idea that at least some abductees uh, are abducted multiple times over their lifetime. Mm -hmm. Maybe especially with families. Um, but a lot of a lot of abductees don't report that at all. It's him. I mean, it's it's an either or. Sure. So yeah. Wouldn't know any answers, but. It's interesting to say the least. You know. Yeah, it is interesting. So far, I mean, you know, it looks like there are commonalities, but just when it looks like there are, you know, more stuff comes up from more people, and I kind of throw them commonalities out of the window again and wonder, have we gotten anywhere, you know, with the polls or the questions or, you know, looking at what people are saying. So, you know, right now I'm just unsure. I'm completely Yeah. Unsure. Well, I imagine it's something where it's, you know, unless you're doing like anonymous phone surveys of thousands of people, it's yeah. it's probably very hard to get a sample that isn't skewed since it's self-selected. Yeah, and you know, and I can tell you, you know, as far as seeing objects in the sky after my first encounter, that after my second encounter, I also had heightened abilities, but they were paranormal for about oh. three or four days after the encounter. So I don't know if that if having an encounter contributes to having some kind of heightened ability. I'm not really sure. Hmm. You know, I wonder how much yeah, that's a, hard to say. Uh, DNA test is. You know, I got the 23andMe ancestry thing, and I I didn't really read into it enough to read if it like maps my human genome or if it just tells me who I'm related to. But I wonder. You know, it'd be interesting to have a nonprofit body or something that took uh, UFO experiencers and actually took their information mm -hmm. and mapped their genome so that we could see if there are any similarities between these people. I mean, that's a logical idea. I mean, but there's yeah, been done. There's there's many scientific <laughs> avenues to pursue. They just haven't been done. And part of that is funding. Part of that is, 
Yeah, not a lot the, of money in UFOs. Yeah, and scientists don't really want really to approach the topic uh, legitimately. So, but yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of, I mean, people with a good level of common sense who are not scientists are aware of certain things that could be done to explore, you know, possibilities, but they haven't been done at this point. So, um, a great idea, but uh, will it happen? I, I don't know. I mean, the powers that be, the scientific community may not embrace that, but we'll see. Right. What about you, William, with your with your nuts and bolts angle on this stuff? Um, do you find that UFO experiencers share any common traits, lifestyles, or or anything like that? No, the, the data doesn't support that at all. It's very random. You have people from mm. all races, all creeds, all colors, uh, political viewpoints. Uh, it runs the gamut. There's no. There doesn't seem to be any kind of. Uh, common type of human being who's taken. It's very random. There's no pattern. Uh, but I say that cautiously because most, uh, most UFO witnesses, whether you're talking abductions or not, don't report their sighting. So the data we have is, by definition, incomplete. So any, any conclusions we draw from that is skewed, to say the least. But the data we have seems to suggest there's no pattern at all. It's just random. Yeah. The data itself is very interesting. Well, to get into the thicket of ascribing anthropomorphic motives to extraterrestrials, um, yes. it, a logical assumption from that seems to be, you know, maybe they're taking a random sample, you know, for, uh, for reasons yeah, of their own. Maybe yeah, they're... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, uh, typically, that would be more valid. Random right. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it would be an unbiased examination, yeah. I agree, yeah. Well, at the rate we're going with disease and war, you know, maybe it's like the... Um, what is that thing called? Like the seed arc or something, you know, don't the, we... the seed vault in, in Norway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're trying to preserve us for when we wipe ourselves out. <laughs> I, I hope they get after because there's only, there's only 8 billion of us. So yeah. they're going to get to work. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, on your dispassionate examination uh, show, do you, do your topics tend to be what's in the news or do you like to go back and sort of find something and, uh, and sort of pick it out of history and, and address it? Uh, a little of both. I mean, mm -hmm. recent developments have kind of demanded we do more current event type programming, but um, Definitely. In, the, yeah. in the course of, in the course of the program, usually we're, we refer back to historical events. Mm -hmm. They were alleged to have happened to make a connection with what's happening now. So, you know, uh, knowing the history of the phenomenon helps you kind of understand what's being reported now. And that applies to world history, any kind of history. Um, so, but we really don't, we really don't spend much time or too much time examining a past event. We try to relate it to modern events. Uh, people seem to want to take a look at the future or the current events more than the past. And I get that. So, um, you know, yeah, I get that too, but it must be frustrating uh, from an attitude of we obviously don't know, so how does one look to the future to be constantly yeah. shoved towards an answer when there isn't necessarily an answer to be had in the future? Yeah, it's, it's, um, I guess along those lines, I, I see, the, I see the, the term UFO experts thrown around. Okay. How can it be an expert in an enigma? The, no one has any answers. How can you be an expert? You can right. be an expert on data and, and the, the history of the phenomenon, but since there are no answers, I mean, it's kind of strange, but 
yeah, it can be frustrating. You, you'd like to look back and have some answers as to what actually happened. We don't have that. So um, it kind of is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. My, my R hour. Uh, last guest we had on was was a horror movie producer and actor, um, mm-hmm. and I was joking in the thing that I'm a you uh, that I'm a horror movie historian, and then I had to throw in that it's a degree that I made up because it doesn't right. actually exist. You know, right. I can't I can't uh, I can't put that in italics under my name when I sign sign stuff because it just doesn't exist. You know, a UFO expert. Uh, you know, what if we, you know, if you're an expert in alien UFOs, what if we find out that this is just, uh, you know, crazy moon Nazis, you know, what if, I mean, they're not <laughs> aliens. Sure, exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. we have no answers. So Gotta watch out for the moon Nazis. I, I, I guess by definition, an expert has definitive answers. Right. Right. Yeah, there are none in this enigma and you can extend that to the paranormal. Then the term expert really doesn't apply. Not really. Yeah. This kind of, relates to something I've been thinking recently and I'd kind of like to get your take because usually I feel like when I talk to people who you know are really knowledgeable about the UFO phenomenon basically what I hear is that the government has to have you know some knowledge locked away that they're keeping secret you know they've got to have crash stuff or, or whatever and it seems like every time there's news coming out you know the, the Pentagon says they're gonna you know, release information on this. Congress says, you know, you have to release information on that. The impression I get is that none of these agencies know anything. I mean, yeah. are they really good at playing dumb or it, it yeah, I, is I, I, really I, starting to look like they don't, uh, they don't know any more than we do. Yeah, I get you. Is playing <laughs> dumb really an effective strategy? They're, they've had a, uh, they have more technology available to them to observe the skies. So they may have more data. Yeah. Um, they may have some, uh, you know, physical evidence that we don't have at this point. Um, but we don't know that. But the idea is that they do. That, that's very common. It's a very, uh, the UFO community really embraces the idea that the government has retrieved craft saucers, bodies right. of aliens in storage, this, that, and the other. Uh, I'm cautious. They may have. But we don't know. We're just civilians. So uh, if they do have retrieved evidence of that level, uh, by definition, it would be secret and not available for us to examine. So um, I think they have more evidence than we do as civilians, but I I wouldn't go as far as them having a a cache of alien technology. No, I wouldn't go that far. Not a large amount. Yeah, because I often see that, you know, sort of floated as like a truism. And I was... I was, yeah, I'm like, really much. though? And yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's nice to hear that, that your take on it is, is similar to my own. Yeah, it's just cautious. You know, I mean, just again, we're civilians since we're not, we're not working in those facilities. We're not military people with, with clearances. We don't know. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that there is some technology out there they recovered, uh, but not, I mean, not, you know, a voluminous amount. No, that's, I think that's a little reasonable, yeah. What about you, Venus, you know, in, in your experience and with the people that you've communicated with about their experiences? This might be a weird question, but was there ever a human there? And anybody that, that you've ever talked to about their experience, uh, I'm sure there's been a lot of experiences of people and 
because I've seen communion. I read communion. Uh, you know, I've, I've read a couple of these things. I'm in no way an expert, but, um, what? you know, has, has, has there ever been a human there that you've heard of? Like when they woke up, they said, Oh, I saw two crazy gray aliens and a guy in a business suit. No, no, I've never heard that. Uh uh-uh. Okay. I well, that's... <laughs> Damn, I <laughs> thought I was onto something. <laughs> so close, Chauncey. <laughs> well, I mean, in communion, you know, he was like dancing with crazy, you know, yeah. things looking from Jim Henson. I don't know, but I think what? Whitley Streamer might be a little. A little, uh, a little worse for wear from his experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there are abduction accounts that describe interactions with humans, along with aliens, hmm. but those are those are in the minority. Um, right. But, but a lot of experiences do they do state that that there are some in their experiences they that they testify about that they encounter UFO occupants and also beings that look like us. Humans, so. Well, yeah, I mean, in, in that sense, you know, I mean, I've heard people say that they were in groups with other people. I see. Mm. You yeah, know. I um, right. I mean, I, I've had, I mean, not encounters that I remember, but I've had dreams of going a, 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 aboard a craft and being with other humans. Mm. There are accounts of people being in a group together, but. Um, but those other I, people were like you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like Earth humans. Yeah. Us. Right. Right. Yeah. So when, when you do look at abduction accounts as a mass, then uh, I guess the question is, what are some of the commonalities that you see that sort of, you know, jump out at a person? Like for mass abduction? From my point of view, it seems very random. There's, there's no patterns to discern. I mean, it's not like mm. they're, they're abducting the... They're not abducting more women than men. They're not abducting more blacks and whites or anything like that. It's just... Right. Random. Um, no well, I, sorry, I, I think I asked that weird. I meant sort of looking at all abduction experiences that we know of. Are there commonalities in, you know, what the aliens look like, what the, in the know, what the situation was? Are they always yeah. on a table with a drill? Are they always, you know, yeah. stuff like that? You know, there, there are some commonalities that I find people are, are, when it comes to what the beings look like that they've seen. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there are some random people that have seen beings that I don't see anybody else out there saying that they've saw. And I've encouraged people on my site to make drawings. And I have a whole um, folder of people, of drawings that people have submitted. Um, so I can keep That's track cool. of what the beings look like and that kind of thing. But, but there are random beings that just that, that person that I know of is the only one that's seen it. And they're still looking for other people that have seen the same thing. But for the most yeah. part, I think most people have seen the same kind of being. They describe the same kind of things. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good idea, getting the drawings, even as rudimentary as some of them maybe come in. It, it still, of course, will they'll accentuate the, the, the parts that are maybe able to be tracked and compared and stuff like that. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And I, you know, I love drawings. I continue to encourage drawings. When I get enough of them, I'm just going to put them all out and put them all in a book and Put it together and to me that's interesting to see what other people yeah. draw because you have your experiences that are in your mind but to really put it out there in a drawing lets other people engage and, and see what you know uh see what you saw so i think they're interesting yeah that's a that's a great idea um well we're about to come up on break here when we come back we're going to talk a bit about sapro san antonio aerial phenomenon research organization but 
before we go, being the movie guy that I am, I have to ask you to, have you guys seen the movie The Vast of Night? It's on uh, Amazon, if you guys haven't seen it. Oh. No, I don't have Amazon now, no. Oh, well, it's, it's loosely based on the Kecksburg UFO incident and the Foss Lake disappearances. And uh, I just watched this like two weeks ago. And of course, it made me think of you, William. And uh, it's really, really well done. You should totally check <laughs> it out. I don't mean to sell a movie on here. Yes, be flattered. I, I thought that I thought <laughs> William was going to say, oh, yeah, I've totally seen this. And I know what it's based on, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get you to I'll get you to message me that title. We'll check it out. Yeah. Date night. All right. <laughs> Uh, you're listening to Radio Wasteland. We're talking to William and Venus of US, UFOs, a dispassionate examination. When we come back, we're going to talk a bit about SAPRO, the San Antonio Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, and uh, what's going on there. You're listening to Radio Wasteland. Radio Wasteland and our guest William and Venus will go the other way around this time for fairness uh, from the UFOs, a dispassionate examination. Uh, this time out, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, SAPRO, the San Antonio Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. Uh, Kara and I were talking about this a little bit during the break. And uh, given our discussions, now I know this thing only started on what, June 20th of this year. Yep. But given our yeah. discussions in the past um, and and William's connection to it, uh, you know, sorry, we don't know you as well yet, Venus, but we're looking forward to getting to know you. Um, is this like an alternative to MUFON? Yes. Yes, it is. And we're, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are, we're painfully aware that there are issues within MUFON and within the yes. community that have not been addressed. Mm -hmm. And we address them in a straightforward manner. Mm -hmm. uh, Venus is our president. She's a woman. Uh, MUFON is led by men. That needs to change. Oh. There's, not been a, there's not been a woman at the head of a civilian organization since Cora Lorenzen in the late 80s with the original APRO. That's a long time. Wow. She's the only one I can think of. Beyond that, every nightcap and MUFON in, uh, international director has been a man. So um, that lack of diversity, that, that different point of view, having an experiencer at the head of a group instead of someone who's just a researcher. I think that's yeah. important too. So, so all these, all these issues, we decide to branch out on our own uh, because of our uh, disillusionment with what's happening and not happening within other groups. So, so what yeah. are you, what are you guys hoping to, sorry, go ahead, Kara. Well, I, I just want to stay on that for a second because talking about diversity, why is it that MUFON is so not diverse you know is it is it because they sort of drive out people who aren't sort of part of their group intentionally or unintentionally or you know is uh, it that rich white men tend to you know have more time to get involved in ufo stuff or you know what is it? um they had they do have a lot of retired law enforcement a lot of retired military which tends yeah. to be males uh since they're retired they have more time on their hands there is a a uh an environment there that is 
not conducive to having women get involved. Whether that's whether that's concerted effort or not, that's the way it is. And right. that's unfortunate. We want everyone involved, uh, experienced or not, males, females, it runs the gamut. There should not be any group that should feel like they're, uh, they shouldn't feel uncomfortable getting involved with the OPO issue. So, but I don't think it's right. a concerted effort by MUFON or any other group. It's just, it's kind of the way it's always been. Right. Yeah. Are, are they trying, you know, to address this, do you think, successfully or not? You know, just, uh, have they been right. trying to change? I don't know. With, uh, with, the, with the recent issue with MUFON with their director, who remained unnamed, right. <laughs> uh, he, he was booted yes. out for his own indiscretions. They named mm-hmm. another man. Uh, that's an, he left. The position is vacated. That's, a, that's an outstanding opportunity to name a female to head the group. They didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's not a change. You know, I mean, it's like, um, uh, other than the administration of Barack Obama, what do we have the presidents? White men. Mm-hmm. In fact, they've all been men. There's been no real definitive change at the top in our government. Same thing in UFO groups. There's been no real, no real change. And, um, and, and waiting for it to happen, it hasn't happened yet. So MUFON's been around 50 years, and nothing's really changed. So, you know. Yeah. Venus, what's, what's your take on, on this? Yeah, my take is very similar to William's. I, you know, I yeah. feel the same. We've discussed it um, at length quite a bit, and, and we have the same points of view when it comes to that. And I, I, think, it's, um, I think it's unfortunate. So that's yeah. why we decided to, to do it ourselves. You know, so now we're, we're running our own and, and doing what we need to do. And, and yeah. uh, that, that's why we're, we're, at, we're at where we're at. That's what put a, lit a fire underneath us to do it. So, yeah, we, we, we do have the same cool. point of view on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other sounds like uh, not necessarily premeditated, but it sounds like a serious case of good old boy mentality. Yes. Right. Yes, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, what... What will you guys be doing? I assume some things will be very similar and some things will be probably very similar, but addressed from a different angle. But, you know, what is the focus and the plan of, of SAPRA? Well, we're, we're aware that a lot, of, a lot of witnesses have come forward to MUFON, reported their reports, have not gotten any contact back, which mm-hmm. is, uh, it's unprofessional. I mean, you contact an organization, a business, a company, you expect them to call you back, to email you back. Uh, we watched and noticed comments from other people that have been it's done satisfied with their interactions with the group. So we're, everybody who contacts us, we contact them, at, about them back 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, a respectful interaction with witnesses, not declaring their cases invalid prior to investigation. And uh, one of the most important parts to our organization is we're a nonprofit. We're now motivated by trying to uh, increase membership, mm-hmm. which uh, MUFON clearly is. They're looking to increase membership dues, and we're not about that. All, all the services we offer are nonprofit. We're a self-funded organization. So uh, that motivation, the, the dreaded money issue is a non-issue with us. I think that's important because we're out here to find answers, not to, um, gain it to, not to make any kind of monetary gains. We're all about trying to do the research and interact with people. So that's, right. uh, yeah. So basically every group we see, what they're falling short of as far as their efforts, we're trying to embrace that and correct it. And um, 
the issues are readily apparent in the community. <laughs> so it's not hard to find them. <laughs> So, you know, in the past, there's been discussions about um, difficulty with data collection and how data collection minimizes experience versus how important it is to compare experience. Uh, have you had a chance to put any thought into how you will collect data? And I don't necessarily mean what avenues that data will come in at, but yeah. in a way that you're able to get the unfiltered experience, but also be able to, to track some of the data. Oh, you take this, do it. Yeah, so we, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we have, a, we have a citing report form that, that we wrote up. And so that gives the initial basic uh, citing information for people to, to fill out and get back to us. Take about five minutes to fill it out. I actually wrote a more detailed questionnaire for people with their experiences. I have yet to make that form up. I hope to make it up in the next couple of days because I think it's important to collect that data as well. I think that form right now has 25 questions on it. It's more, it's more in depth, um, but that's how we're going to collect the data because uh, to be honest with you, um, you know, I, I reported my experiences to MUFON and they were more interested in the craft and less interested in my actual missing time experiences, my encounter, that kind of thing. That mm -hmm. that was dismissed, and, and that really upset mm -hmm. me because I think that that part is important, the experience that comes with it, not just the description of the craft or, you know, where you were or what happened, but, you know, everything as a whole is very important. You know, that makes sense because, as we've discussed on the show here before, as Kara really put into my head, I'll, you know, the, the concept was there, but, Kara really solidified it with me that if you can travel from galaxy to galaxy or solar system, oh, yeah. <laughs> solar system, you can bend time. And basically these time bending loss of time uh, experiences seem like they would possibly be a part of the craft. And so these anecdotal experiences along the outside of the craft itself even within the argument of MUFON, just tracking crafts seem like it would be important to understand the craft. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Mm -hmm. um, yes. One other one other thing we uh, do differently is we share our data. Uh, not talking about personal details, names of people and, and your address and what have you, but the actual mm -hmm. scientific data itself, we're willing and able to share with whoever wants to examine it for their own scrutiny. Um, some groups, including MUFON, don't do that. That's been a consistent problem. You would think there would be a worldwide database of UFO sightings data, but there isn't. Groups don't talk to each other. They don't share data. They remind me, it reminds me of the, um, um, the United States, uh, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA. They don't communicate with each other. They don't share information. And that's what happens in the UFO community. So whatever data we have and collect, we're open to sharing it with everyone. And that's it. I think that's important, too, because other researchers need that information too, other experiencers too. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it makes you wonder what the motivation behind not sharing data is. Uh, only two ideas come to mind. One would be that they don't want that data misinterpreted and then putting out the wrong message. And then the other would be that that data equals money and therefore they don't want to share it. I tend to go with the latter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm okay with a group uh, garnering membership and, and gathering 
uh, you know, gathering monies, but I would of want course. that money spent on research, uh, witness support groups, uh, scientific endeavors to find out what the heck is going on, not television shows, mm-hmm. not magazines. That's not research. Right. I want, I want bones, boots on the ground, science done to explain what witnesses are seeing mm-hmm. and experiencing. Right. That's, that's where that's a good way to put that money into that. And other groups are not doing that. And that's, to me, that's very, very disturbing. That's a low. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. You know, turning your UFO uh, research group into basically a media company that's sharing information that nobody really knows. Again, it kind of takes us back to the expert discussion. Yeah. It's like, you know, what exactly are are your shows about if you haven't invested the money to try to find some sort of answers. Now, granted, if someday they find an answer, sure, throw tons of money into getting that answer out. But, you know, in in the meantime, turning your nonprofit into a media company uh, does seem a little shady now that you say it out loud. Uh, Yeah, and they then and move on consistently. And, you know, and and I guess we should preface this. We're not anti move on. But clearly there's issues there that have not been addressed and should be addressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, it would do. It would be to the detriment of the UFO community if MUFON failed. But they certainly need to uh, reorganize themselves and better themselves as an organization. Um, they've been the only game in town since 1988. When Cor Lorenzen passed away, it's been MUFON, and that's it. So they've had a monopoly on this. And when a company has a monopoly, there's no competition to drive them to greater heights. There hasn't been for a while. So. Um, right. Yeah, that's 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 kind of way it's been in this community for several decades, and that's not good enough. Yeah. So Sapro is is very new. It's you know yeah. about a month out. Um, who who is Sapro right now? Is it you two? Is it are there other people involved? Are you expanding? We're, we're, what, what's we're right now. Uh, you know, Venus is our president, and we are garnering membership. We're already got um, almost eighteen hundred members already. Wow. There's a, yeah. there's a, in a month, yeah, in a month, what, June 20th. So yes. it's growing. That's awesome. And uh, a lot of interaction. We've watched other mm-hmm. beautiful groups on their websites on and off Facebook. And to see people that are interested in the group, are they interacting? Are they leaving comments? Are they leaving questions? No, pretty quiet. But on our page, very active. So yeah. there's certainly a avenue there. People, people want to interact and, there is a group of individuals that are seeing these things that have not been addressed. They've not been interacted with. And uh, whether that's MUFON having dropped the ball or not, that's not for us to say. But clearly we've tapped into uh, a certain group of people that are hungry for this kind of stuff. So, you know. yeah. And I think it helps that for me being an experiencer, I think that really helps because we offer people, even when they fill out a sighting report, we offer them to um, to point them in the direction of getting support if they need it, which would be from my site to get support that way. Um, yeah. A lot of times with MUFON, you know, I mean, they'll, they'll tell you to come to their meetings, but where's the actual support? Uh, so I think that that attracts people as well because people want to talk to other people. They want to know where to go. And so we can provide that for them. Yeah. And again, anti-MUFON. I was going to MUFON meetings for a while. I'm not anti-MUFON. I enjoyed right. a lot of the meetings. I enjoyed the interactions with the people there. But, you know, we have things that they fell short on. We, we want to make a difference um, and, and do the things that, that need to be done. So that's why we started our own organization. 
Yeah, obviously there's, you know, we've talked to MUFON guys on the show before. There's some good people there, you know, there's, they've done good work. They've collected a lot of good data. I think maybe another reason it's helpful to, you know, have an experiencer and correct me if I'm wrong, but it it seems like there's sort of a strain of thought in some parts of the UFO community that basically holds craft sightings to be valid and experiences to be invalid. And so it, it... I think having you there, it seems like it might, you know, make people feel safer. Yeah, yeah, they do. It seems like they do feel a bit more comfortable. You know, they Mm -hmm. know that I'm not going to dismiss them because I've experienced things myself. So uh, hopefully, and that's, that's kind of more my role. Like, you know, he's a nuts and bolts in the researcher type. Uh, (laughs) I know. (laughs) He, 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 that's his side of it. But my side of it is the support system for other people who are doing the reporting. So we both have our roles within the organization um, and it, it's been working out really well for us and, and yeah. for other people, hopefully. Um, we've so, not had any, anything negative from anybody. So San Antonio is in the name. I just want to clarify. Is this like, is it just San Antonio based? Is it? Um, uh, I guess or, we, were, we started here and as it develops, it expands. We're open to expanding our base of operations, but as of right now, it's pretty much, just the San Antonio area. Um, I guess my question is, do people outside of San Antonio who have like experiences or sightings or whatever, can they get in touch with you or are you pretty much focusing on the area right now? No, we're open to everybody. Yeah. We don't want to leave, we don't want to leave anyone behind. That's, that's vitally important. You know, Uh, regardless of what they've experienced, you can't leave anyone behind you. They're, they've experienced something traumatic, uh, emotional in their life. You can't leave them behind. And we take their we take their their experiences their their testimony seriously. I mean, uh, I mentioned one time in our broadcast that you know uh, some of our troops have come back from combat, suffering mm-hmm. from PTSD, suffering from traumatic events. It wouldn't occur to any of us to make light of them, to ridicule them. That would never happen. Yet, when you talk about UFO experiences, that does happen. It's yeah. it's, it's it's pretty. I mean, I've never experienced anything, and I'm embarrassed by it. I'm troubled by it. I can only imagine what an experiencer thinks. Uh, it's, it's a ridiculous situation. So, no, we're open to uh, everyone on the planet Earth, which is where <laughs> we're at. And, uh, you know, yeah, we're open to everybody. Up. And honestly, yeah. on, as far as support on the experiencer site, I have people from all around the world that want to talk about their experiences. They're more than welcome to fill out their sighting reports on the site. I promote the site on there so people can do that. We spoke about, um, you know, we do focus a little bit on San Antonio, but we spoke about that if it expands outside of San Antonio, you know, we, we could uh, open chapters in other areas if need be. Yeah. We're very yeah. open to that. Yeah. And we have people who are like ready and willing and already offering to help out in the different states that they're in. So we're very open to that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, all right. Well, we're coming up on the end of the show here, and we have quite a bit to cover about where people can find out more <laughs> about you. Um, William Pullen's Facebook group is You For Real. A historical review. A yep. historical review. Uh, Venus, how do people find your Facebook group? So they can find it under Alien Experiencers. That's the name of it. Um, are there links on your site for my uh, I think there are, yeah. You know, there, yeah. there. I know there are links on the Sapro page also for my site. Yeah, and, and, and the two pages, the two pages we can find us on. You can find us at William Pullen UFO Historian, which is our Facebook page, or 
uh, the San Antonio Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization page, also on Facebook, and those are linked up with all our groups. So it's all one big cool. network. All right. All right. Well, thank you for having, uh, you know, coming on again. Uh, it's been a long time, William, considering our regular it's schedule. Days. It's crazy. <laughs> You've been too busy, too busy, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we hope you'll come on again. We always love having you. And uh, Venus, it was nice to meet you and have you on as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, you have nothing you. to be worried about. You're very well spoken. Yeah, thank you. Thanks thank again you. for everything. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. All right. You've been listening to Radio Wasteland with Venus and William. Welcome to the rain.